0: Welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are rounding out the rotation series. I have gone position by position the last four podcasts from point guard to the power forward spot, and now we are at the fifth and final position at the center spot. So I'm going to be talking about the Thunder's current center's kind of how the rotation all works out in today's episode. Specifically, we'll be touching up on Chet Holmgren, Mike Muscala, Jalen Williams, and Derek Favors. So we got four guys on tap for you all. I'll be breaking down their roles to begin the season and kind of how they should stand throughout the 82 game year. And to top it all off, guys, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. Starting things out though with this center position, the story I've continued to give the last, I guess now it'll be the last three podcasts, is just how the front court situation works in Oklahoma City. I think the back court was a little bit more clean cut. You, you kind of know going into the year what the pecking order looks like. SGA, Trey Mann at the shooting guard position, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams right behind him, and everybody else sort of might fill in the gashes if someone gets injured but for the most part it's a four guard lineup and i think after williams williams is showing in the summer league and even prior to that he kind of stamped that fourth position and at age 21 i mean he's ready to go he's going to have minutes there and it's it's set in stone i think but 3 to 5 is where the creativity flows you're going to hear some differing opinions and i think that's honestly good i think different opinions lead to you know better results um, and just better thinking. And that's kind of what I've done. You know, in my last pod, last two pods, I've had some interesting shakeups on who I think makes the day one rotation and who I think might be on the outskirts of it. The one silver lining is typically if it's a block game, everyone's going to play. I think for the first couple games, you're going to try to filter in and out guys. So it should be more fluid than not. Uh, But just establishing that base roster, what Mark Dagnall's rotational board should look like is pretty important, and that's kind of what I'm trying to replicate today on what I think that day one piecing will look like. With Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams brought into the mix this draft season, you know, there's a lot of roster dominoes that are going to fall. Players that typically play the center spot are playing the four. Players that played the four last year might play at the three or the five. And that's just how this is all going to work. It's going to be a big-time Rubik's Cube that the Thunder are going to need to solve to kind of figure out all the sides on how they want to adjust this roster properly. Going into the five spot, though, we're going to be talking about the big-time acquisition from the draft. OKC getting their guy in Chet Holmgren. Absolute Dominant force with the Gonzaga Bulldogs last season, number one recruit coming out of high school, averaged 14.1 points, 9.9 rebounds, and 3.7 blocks across 32 games for them last season, averaged 27 minutes in the process. Holmgren shattered expectations. He was supposed to come in, and honestly, I mean, with a prospect like that, it's hard to set, you know, a ceiling, but... Expecting to see maybe spurts of really dominant performances. Uh, but then he showed consistency like you really don't see too often from a player of his stature. Averaging close to four blocks per game. Guards could not get in the vicinity of Holmgren because he would block your shot. Only averaged 2.7 fouls to that. So he was very you know, restrained. And when he went up for shots, very well disciplined. And that's something that the Thunder could really utilize um and and take a lot of pride in filling out that center spot they need to have someone who's not going to be foul magnet if you will and chet looks to be someone at least collegially that should not do that there was that one summer league game against kenny lofton where he was looking to play back to basket it worked in some stints. if you looked at just the big time headlines you would have thought that lofton was just eating his lunch that's not what happened Holmgren actually bounced back pretty well there so he's gonna be an elite rim protector in terms of overall floor spacing defensively. He helps so much because he is able to cover in all three different ways off of screens. I think the best part about this is since you know he's pretty nimble, he's not this big guy at seven feet tall, you know, he only weighs about 195. He is he has a really large block radius. So he can step up on floaters. You know, if he needs to pop out to the three-point line on coverage, he can do that in perimeter defense. He can hold up in some stints and on the interior, very, very good at picking the spots there. So that's obviously the big thing. OKC just hasn't had that type of shot blocker in a very long time. Also in the rebounding department, they've had some really good rebounders. Like Moses Brown, really good. I I don't care if you want to try and wash that down, say that he played so many minutes, the reps weren't valuable, say that. But, you know, the numbers... Do not lie. Even if there is some asterisks to it, you know that he is a very good rebounder. At 7'2", super athletic, able to get offensive rebounds, go up for second chances. Just watch some of those old Thunder games or watch the Blues season he had two years ago where he averaged six offensive rebounds per game. It was ridiculous. After that, though, all these centers that have come in for the Thunder have not been amazing rebounders, and they definitely haven't been the same type of rebounder as Holmgren, where they can get the ball and accelerate and kick things out into transition play. You know, they'll get a rebound and kick to the point guard, and then they'll be a trailer or something. Dynamic offensive player. That's what the Thunder need. And most importantly, he's able to stretch the floor out like I don't think any center has for the Thunder, at least in the same regard Holmgren was able to for Gonzaga and what I think he's able to do for the OKC Thunder. Setting that high ball screen, getting into position at the top of the key, get right into his shot, confident every time he takes it. Shot 39% from distance last year for Gonzaga. In the Summer League, absolute money from downtown. His first game against um, the Utah Jazz. I mean, we're talking a 13-point first quarter. Could not miss. Took him a couple games to miss at the charity stripe. Just A-plus type of time he had in Salt Lake City, and I think that's going to continue over. Meshing him around guys like SGA and Josh Giddy that really thrive off of having someone to pop out to or some lane to drive inside, it's the perfect fit for all three, and even to guys like Trey Mann and Jalen Williams. He amplifies their ability to attack the basket and kick it out. He's able to pop to the three-point line too, and he has some on-ball skills that are very, very special. So he has all the you know check marks of someone who could have gone first. Paulo Bancaros looked like a monster, and I do not, um, <laughs> I don't hold anything against the Magic for not going with Holmgren there because Paulo. It's hard to find a guy like him. Where it's six ten, he's already coming into the league. 240, 250 pounds, where he is ready to drive inside, take your head off, absorb the contact, make the shot. I'm sure he'll be in the the running for rookie of the year easily. With Holmgren, still definitely could be that. I think there's going to be big time games for him, and he's going to have the minutes within this rotation. I have him mocked getting 29 minutes for the OKC Thunder. This is one where it could easily fluctuate, where he could be averaging 30 plus per game. But I think for the most part, given his stature, given his overall fatigue, I'd imagine would set in having this healthy balance where he's not going 31, 32 minutes per game as a rookie might be the most beneficial thing. So I think from the get go, 29 minutes, give him a good spurt and see some of the bench unit as well. This is probably the best path of doing this. I tried looking at players similar to Holmgren to mock out what I think a minute production would be on an 82 game format. Christoph's Porzingis is someone that came to mind. He averaged around this in his first couple seasons, so I thought that this was likely the best bet in terms of overall comparisons. He's going to have plenty of games where he's dropping 30 plus minutes per game. If he's on a roll, you better believe he's playing 30 minutes if someone else is in foul trouble. I'm sure he'll play overtime. And if it if a game's close, he's going to be on the basketball court, closing it out at the center spot. So he's going to have ample amount of time to showcase his skills. And I'm sure the teammates for the Thunder and the fan base alike are going to love to watch Chet Holmgren next season. I want to talk about the players behind Holmgren and what this overall rotation looks like in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Always something new to bet on. Over at DraftKings Sportsbook, I'm always looking at the NBA um, games, of course, but no NBA in session. As of right now, you can look towards the MLB and the uh, MMA. Those are always the go-tos for myself. Best of all, though, with DraftKings, it is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes For details, let's pivot over to the players behind Chet Holmgren. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was the starting center for the OKC Thunder last year. I'm sure he's going to be fielding minutes as a center in the rotations. But you likely and preferably want to have a backup true center. OKC has had plenty of chances to have a backup center. They signed Moses Brown to a multi-year contract and ended up trading him. Tony Bradley didn't pick up that qualifying offer. Olivier Saar last year looked really good on his two-way contract, did not want to retain him, and now he's looking for an opportunity. Time and time, they have decided against you know these 22, 23-year-olds that might not be Uh, fully formed in terms of an athlete, but they're solid at rebounding, solid at at setting screens. No real new element that um, might fill the Thunder's needs the most, which I think are three-point shooting and overall ability to defend on screens because that's something that I think everyone that they have had for a little bit and dropped, that's one of their weak points. It's it's covering those type of defenses and those types of runners and floaters you'll find in the mid-range area. I have Mike Muscala as the backup center going into the season. If you look at the numbers for Mike, I mean, he has been one of the Thunder's best players uh, the last two seasons for the franchise. Two years ago, he enters in, averages 9.7 points and 3.8 rebounds per game, shooting 37% from distance. Last year, averaged 8 points and 3 rebounds while shooting 42.9%. And he averaged just about 14 minutes per game last year, not even 14. I got a fun story. I do uh, Stratomatic, which, you know, used to be pretty big on like baseball. They had it in basketball, but, you know, they brought it over to um, the computer realm. You know, this is meant for like cards and dice, like playing it in the family room or something, kind of an old game. I don't imagine there are many Stratomatic leagues still hanging around, but I'm in one in basketball, and they come out with cards every year. Mike Muscala's card for the 2020-21 to season was comparable to not too many players. Like He had an all-star level card because he was really good on the interior, really efficient from three, and got rebounds. That's the type of player that if you play him for 25 minutes, he's going to drop you 28 points in the game. He was just broken. And I'm sure next season, because they always work one year behind, he's going to be just as efficient, if not even higher, based on that three-point clip. Probably one of the best cards out of the OKC Thunder team the past two seasons. And it's because he fits into OKC's system so well, and he does exactly what they need at a high, high rate okc needs to stretch the floor that's why chet holmgren was a slam dunk pick and that's why mike muscala is still on this roster not only has he been a big time veteran leader but he has been one of their best pieces to surround around sga i think josh giddy too now in the mold they're both going to benefit greatly where after holmgren's done he has to take a rest well now mike muscala is setting the high ball screen and if you're a defender It'd probably be smart to guard him up at the top of the key. If not, you're sacrificing a very high-quality look for someone who I am certain takes hundreds of of top-of-the-key triples every single day, just practicing around. Kind of a curveball, if you will, that he uh, re-signed with the Thunder. You know, this isn't due to his statistics, but more so, you know, does he have aspirations of making the playoffs? Does OKC have enough roster spots to foster... Someone who's 31 years old on the on the team, and they figured it out. They're keeping him around and on a two year deal worth seven mil. I mean, it's a pretty budget pickup for someone who I am certain had multiple offers lined up for playoff teams, where he'd be that bench contributor, averaging around 14, 15 minutes per game as he did last season. I think the minutes are probably going to be front loaded for Muscala, just as it has been years prior. I don't think he was injured last year. You know, it was just a matter of uh, giving others opportunities, kind of like what Al Horford did uh, two seasons ago. And it it works out because he's able to be that veteran leader and the younger guys who, you know, wouldn't be able to play if otherwise got to have those reps uh, and time under their belts playing in NBA minutes. He's going to come in and be that type of spark plug where even at the center spot, In eight minutes, he can get you double figures, and he can change the tides of a game. He's going to force a coach to call a timeout, you know, in the in the first quarter, off that first substitution. A couple games or two this year, that is for sure. Just based on how refined he is in the areas OKC needs so much. Long term, you would hope he sticks around. You know, he's on a team friendly contract the next two seasons. After that, he's going to be thirty-two, going on thirty-three years old. Heading into next free agency period, given the Thunder pick him up next year, and maybe he sticks around, kind of hanging on as that veteran type of piece where it's a minimum contract after after minimum contract, but it helps everybody. Really high level player, high level person. I mean, when you heard him talking in his exit interviews a couple of years ago, when he first seemed like he would be gone, you know, he had that heartfelt message that he wanted to stay sticks around and was one of OKC's best players last year. He plugs in with anybody on this roster. I think if you're talking strictly who's the best pick and pop player, Mike Muscala is that for OKC. Fact they can keep him for 3.5 million years um pretty pretty bonkers. So he'll have minutes. Maybe he starts getting filtered out and the player he'd get filtered out for would be Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. Jalen Williams is an energy type of player. Averaged near a double double with Arkansas last season 10.9 points, 9.8 rebounds, and he led D1 in charges drawn. Just an energizer, bunny, if you will. They have a lot of fondness towards these types of players where they're putting their body on the line consistently Lou Dort comes to mind as one where goes undrafted they immediately pick him up next thing you know he's suiting up for the Thunder diving after loose balls making insanely impressive defensive possessions Jay Will's in a bit of a different boat because he's not a perimeter defender he's an interior defender but he still makes that impact getting to the right spots and drawing charges and that is going to really help out when he does make the jump uh, to playing consistently for the Thunder. I don't think that's going to be the case to begin the season. I think that he, just like Usman, might get a couple games if it's a blowout. But then whenever November 5th, 6th, one of those days comes around and OKC Blue action begins, he'll be with the OKC Blue likely starting for that team. And the reason you do this, I don't think there's minutes for him immediately with his Thunder group, number one. But number two, he does need to work on in particular the mid-range game. What has separated guys that stay on this Thunder unit and guys that don't the last two or three seasons at that center spot have been, if they're able to contribute, popping. You'd think, well, Olivier Saar shot pretty well from three. Why is he not there? I think that also falls on the floater defense. Jalen Williams looks to be a more impressive defender. Just comes down to that shot, man. He was not able to hit many mid-range shots in the summer league last um, summer. I guess this summer. And just from distance in general, he didn't shoot many for Arkansas whatsoever. So that has not been a part of his game that's been revealed. Uh, And that's something that will need to be revealed. Because I don't think you can put him on an NBA floor right now with SGA Josh Giddy and have him orchestrate the pick and roll. It's just not going to have a high success rate compared to others, and that's based on that range that he needs to kind of fine-tune. With Usman playing in the G League, or Veet Kredge, if he sticks around, I think this is where you maximize both of them. You create a duo, and you are able to get those sets where he's the one setting a screen, might roll to the basket, might stay in the mid-range area. And then for Usman or Viet, you know they are kind of built upon pick and roll play so I can either kick out drive or kick it out to the top i would imagine g league teams are willing to sag off on Jay will uh and i think nba teams are too you know he needs to prove himself there and the best way to do that with not too high of stakes would be playing in you know some of these g league games one thing with the g league if they're bringing the winter showcase cup back which has been just amazing when they've done it You know, it's a 15-game format prior to the actual tournament, and I think the only top six teams make it. OKC barely snuck in last year. But in this format, those 15 games, they don't affect the regular season record. So if they're looking to make the playoffs, and I think development always is number one in these G League farms, it's not going to matter. You know, they can lose all 15 games, I want to see them in the Winter Showcase Cup. I'm sure you guys do. It's a very fun event. If you guys haven't watched it before, really suggest you do. It doesn't matter though. You know, after that December date, if you don't win the Winter Showcase Cup tournament, it doesn't matter. You know, even for the winner. Okay, that's great. Now you gotta play the regular season. You have to re earn your stripes. And it's a clean slate for every team in the organization. The months of November and December work. For development in the G League, they also work for the NBA level too, because that's when you're trying to kind of hone in on your roster. Guys like Trey Mann went down in November last year. Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a game there. Isaiah Roby played a couple games there. Alexei Pokushevsky had a couple games in the winter. It's not uncommon to bring these guys down, and for someone like Jay Will, who I don't think gets immediate attention, this is the best possible situation for him. Play at the G League level, his type. I'm going to be honest, I don't think he's like an uber-athletic type of center, but most athletic centers average a double-double in the G League. With his background averaging close to one at Arkansas last year, I think he'll have plenty of double-doubles, and he'll have uh, some games where he will be kind of the marquee player when you're looking at the box score and the overall recap on things. So that is my view on Jay will You know, G League for right now, after about a month there, Then you can bring him up, do those same game, uh, same day, swaps where he plays for the blue, then goes on the sidelines for the Thunder. And by the end of it, post-All-Star break, maybe you transition Muscala's minutes into that of Jalen Williams. And if anyone ever gets injured, you know, that call-up would be waiting for him, and he would be filling in some front court opportunities. Fourth on the list, we got Derek Favors. And I think for Favors he's just fringe roster and it's very hard to mark this up because if favors makes the 15 man roster you know he's worthy of nba minutes that's the thing this is a solid veteran piece who looked good in the mid range for the thunder last year good at setting screens not much of a three point shooter kind of more of a back to basket type but he holds value i'm sure if he gets waived he's not going to get picked up off that waiver cuz he is making bank this season but he'd probably fetch a minimum contract somewhere and honestly, there is a lot of competition at the power forward and center positions in the free agent market still. But based on, you know, his overall profile and his resume, I think that he does slip in as a potential minimum contract type of player um, for a playoff team. But just getting on to, you know, his situation, you know, with the Thunder franchise, he was initially brought on actually last summer, basically right after. NBA draft. OKC picked up his contract with a first round pick attached for virtually nothing. And uh, I don't really know what the actual deal is for this first round pick. There has not been any reporting on whether it's a protected pick, what year it'd be in. It's a very wacky transaction that just hasn't received much clarity um, from what I know. So the Thunder got something in exchange for this and it might end in Derek Favors being bought out. When this roster crunch comes into fruition, he is going to be fringe roster with guys like V. Cretchi, Teo Maladone, and Ty Jerome. Only one of those four would stay. And there obviously is that wild card factor of, you know, if someone else gets thrusted in that and is the sneaky guy, that's get cut um, off of this team. You know, he's, he has that NBA level talent. I think in terms of fit, he's not the best for the Thunder right now because he's not spacing the floor out. Uh, uh, tremendously he was still hitting from the foul line which is good but at age 31 you know he's not doing the same thing that Mike Muscala is I think he's doing much better in the role that OKC needs and he does bring veteran leadership I think that his overall background being a former number three pick actually would really benefit someone like Chet Holmgren favors back in the day with utah the al jefferson days i mean he was going back to basket torching players in the post i think that's something that you know you could help out holmgren with a little bit have someone on your roster who can be that veteran but i think when push comes to shove it's going to be hard for him to get that spot if he does stick around i think mentorship is the big thing uh, that is going to keep him on this team and by i would say march He would be off the team, and OKC might be looking for someone else. And the reason they do that is to allow him to uh, contend for a playoff spot. That's normally how these go, kind of just a good parting gift to allow some flexibility uh, within the business. But that's how I view favors. He has value, just probably not as much for this team. So he's likely going to get waived. If he does not, though, I still think he could sneak into the roster because he is An NBA level player still and he can still impact the game with his rebounding ability good screen setting and um, adequate defense I think you could coin that as so that's kind of my breakdown on all four of the centers I think that favors is probably on the real outside looking in Jalen Williams is on the doorstep just waiting for that opportunity Mike Muscala is in the door might have one foot out when we get to the end of this season and you got Chet Holmgren just lounging in his recliner. I mean, he's going to be good to go for the rest of the season. He is in the house for OKC. So that rounds out the complete five position rotation here on the Thunder 6 podcast. We've gone through this series throughout the week, and that leaves us with a starting unit of SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, and Chet Holmgren. You cannot forget, though, You have Jeremiah Robinson Earl getting 24 minutes as that backup power forward. Trey Mann with 22 minutes at the point guard spot. Jalen Williams with 20 minutes of his own. Kenrich Williams with 18 minutes. And then at that five spot, Mike Muscala getting those very valuable 14 minutes. So it's a 10-man rotation for me. Honestly, like I said, it's going to be a fluid rotation. So this is going to get bashed and ripped to pieces. Throw this in the shredder when uh the games start coming out but as of right now I think this is pretty good to at least set the bar on what I think the expectations will be leaves out very crucial guys such as Aaron Wiggins and Alexei polkoshevsky I believe they will get minutes in time just need to wait. I think the biggest scenario revolves around Darius Baisley and how he has his minutes brought to the table to begin the regular season. That covers every player from the roster. I excluded Exhibit Ten signees just because they're going to be with the OKC Blue, barring a crazy training camp where you know they exceed all expectations and get a two-way deal, uh, maybe. But that is the current standing here. So make sure to let me know how I did on this, guys. If you had any suggestions, have you know maybe some takes you agree or disagree with? Make sure to hit me up on Twitter. You guys can. Shoot me a tweet, DM me, whatever you would like on my Twitter at Ben Kreider or go ahead to the pod sorter at Thunderstick Pod. That's going to do it for today's episode, guys. Thank you all for listening to the rotational series. If you haven't listened to all of them, make sure to rewind the tape. I went in depth on why I had all these minutes sorted out, so that might give clarity if you have questions. If not, always be sure to hit me up. Love to respond. Anyways, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.